Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to My Millennial Career. My name is Shelley Johnson. I'm a HR consultant and founder at Boldside. Hey, Em. Hey, Shell. Emily Bowen here, and I'm the COO of Rare Kind. Okay, Em, hit me with it today. <laughs> this, this episode's been in the pipeline for a while. What are we talking about today? We're talking about when you cry at work. So, look, I'm not much of a crier. But I don't think I'm alone when I say that it has happened to me. I'm sure it's happened to most of us. And depending on the circumstances, there can just be this whole medley of emotions that follow what is already an emotional response. And we want to unpack how the heck you're going to deal with that and just get over it and move on. Well, that's a good way to put it. There's emotions that follow the emotion. And I know you're not a cry. And we've talked about this before because you've seen me um, get emotional at various times. And I'm totally like such a heart on my sleeve feeler type of person. And so I'm sure you and I will come at this with totally different angles because, you know, different experiences. So let's get into it. Okay, Em, so let's just set the scene. There's so many different times where you might have those emotional moments and, and specifically we're talking about crying, but there's lots of different emotions that we show at work. There can be anything from frustration, irritation, anger to obviously today what we're talking about where you cry at work. It might be in the toilet. It might be in front of someone. What do you think, Em, when we're talking about this idea of crying, why is this Why is this such a challenge for us as people? Oh, you're going deep early. I guess what I was keen to do up front is make sure that we know we're not talking here about those instances that may occur because of, say, bullying and harassment. Uh, And that's why we've got a little bit of a perhaps more jovial tone to us as we talk about this, because we're not trying to downplay the emotions that we each feel that might lead to the crying. What we're trying to do is just give a sense of normality. Like we're really trying to normalize this and go, it's okay. And that's because to answer your question, Shell, there's all of these feelings that come in the lead up to that, that come during that, that are, you know, triggered by something, sometimes a sense of overwhelm perhaps. But then following that, we, if I perhaps, you know, speak on behalf of a friend or, you know, maybe it's just myself, we can feel uh, emotions like shame. We can feel embarrassment. We can feel confusion and just a total lack of clarity around, you know, where to from here. How can I bounce back from this? How can I see the forest through the trees? Or we can even be stuck in that sense of whatever it is that has triggered that reaction of crying where we just don't know what the out is. We don't know how to move past that feeling that's got us to that place. Yeah, I think shame and humiliation can be, they're such powerful emotions. And so I know for me personally, I 
<laughs> if you were to ask, like if you were to call my old boss, Deb, and ask her how many times I've cried in her office, she I don't reckon she would, she would not be able to give you a number because yeah, it would right. just be like I'm such a like um, – I think, I don't know, this This might be like a bit of a therapy session, but like high highs, low lows. So I'm like, I'll be like really ecstatic, excitable. And then I'll be like, oh my gosh, this is the worst thing ever. And I've got those, all those feelings are probably quite close to the surface. And so I'll be, and we had a really beautiful, like such a deep level of trust. So I never felt like it wasn't safe to be myself around her. But I did feel embarrassed if I'd get emotional in a meeting, like if I was, say, quite stressed about a work situation and I was emotional, I'd feel quite embarrassed afterwards or I'd find myself in those conversations with her going, I'm so sorry, I'm crying. Like, keep talking, like, this is important. We're having this conversation, but I'm just feeling a bit, like, overwhelmed or whatever. And afterwards I'd leave and I'd be like, oh, I'm a bit, I wish I could have better level of control over that. And I think that's why we wanted to have this conversation because often where if you have those moments and you leave and you feel embarrassed or, or there's a bit of like shame attached to being vulnerable in that way, we, we want to have this conversation to give you that sense of like for me personally, I've had to learn, well, what are the things that help me to control those emotions? Because sometimes sometimes they don't always serve me, but I also don't want to be... I also want to be a human and be real. So it's a real tension. Yeah. And as we get into the crux of this episode, which we'll do very, very soon, we are going to talk about the strategies. So we've got four strategies that we believe in for you. And we've got four strategies that we would recommend for leaders as well. So if you're in a position where you're the leader of people, then, you know, make sure you listen to the end. If you've got ambitions to be a leader of people, make sure you listen to the end. And I would even recommend that if you are somebody that works in a team, that you still listen to the end because some of those leadership strategies can actually apply peer-to-peer as well. Um, To share a little bit from, dare I call it, the other side of the fence, it's a funny thing to consider because you're right, we've called me out as the the non-crier of this duo (laughs) And look, as I said, I've had the my... more stable. Well, I don't, it's funny. You could call me that and perhaps I come across that way based on the measure of how many times have you cried at work. However, I'm still a massive feeler and it's all there. My emotions just show up in a different way. And, you know, that's probably an episode what? for another day. Uh, but can we just ask, just pause on that. What way would you say that they would show up? Uh, well, a couple of things come to mind. So... If like you referenced being stressed or, you know, maybe I, you know, I think I use the word overwhelmed for me, that turns into, um, I guess almost like a withdrawal. So rather than showing that emotion through the output of tears, for me, it's more of a case of I withdraw, I become more serious, or it can also be that I could become more short. So I become quite focused could be a nicer way to put it. <laughs> and that's, uh, that's just my way of showing that emotion or that emotional response to how I'm feeling. But this, as we said before, you know, there's so many tentacles and rabbit holes we can go down I think here. I think that's a really good call out though to go, when we go back to what you said at the beginning, creating a sense of normality because what you shared there is an emotional response and neither is necessarily better or worse. It's okay for me, my probably default is, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm upset about this, blah, blah, blah. And then I move on eventually. And for you, it's, I might be a bit more abrupt in in a communication style. 
and I, I think it's working out how do you understand what's triggered that emotion and then how do you build the strategies, which we're going to discuss, to, um, I suppose, manage it in a way that helps you in your career. Because uh, as, you know, some sense of perhaps embarrassment can follow tears, it can also feel, uh, sorry, follow other emotional responses as well. So, And we should say, obviously, we're not psychologists. We're just no. sharing our personal uh, views. So, just want to say that up front. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and to reiterate, we're not talking here about how to handle a situation where you're ending up in tears in at t- in tears rather at work um, each day because of something that is what we would deem more serious, like that bullying and harassment space that we reference. What we're talking about is that more day to day normal, your you know your emotional response to the pressures of of work. Awesome. All right. Enough about us though, and we'll share a little more along the way. So let's jump in to our four strategies for self. So this is, I guess, our part one, and this is where we would like to think these are a few good ideas that you might like to take on board if you're uh, in inverted commas crier and you're thinking, how can I just become a little bit more in control of that emotional response, both before, during, and then also after. Number one strategy for self if you find yourself in the danger zone, so if you're starting to feel like, okay, I've got this meeting coming up with my manager tomorrow. Uh, it's, you know, it's Monday morning. I've got this meeting coming up on Tuesday and I've come out of the weekend. It's a new week. And do you know what? I'm just in a funk. I'm just not feeling myself. I like to use the word personally fragile. Sometimes I just feel a little bit more fragile than normal. Then it may not be the best time for that meeting with your manager tomorrow. And we would encourage you that instead of going ahead with it, pushing on and feeling like that's a must do, you instead be proactive in communicating your emotional state. So that can look like, and and this is a vulnerable moment in itself, but you're just getting ahead of it. That can look like saying, hey, boss, um, we've got this meeting planned for tomorrow I've woken up today, you know, it's a new week and I'm just not feeling myself. Would it be okay if we just rescheduled to a little bit later in the week? I just want to make sure that I can turn up fully, be present and have my mind really on for that meeting. You're right. It is a vulnerable conversation, but it can really help your boss to know where you're at too in advance of maybe the crisis point. So for me, if it, if it, employee, if one of my team members said that to me, well, the first thing I would be asking is, oh, are you okay? Like, what can I do to help? And how can I support you? But it also just gives you that insight of maybe they're not in in their kind of healthiest zone. And I just think any leader or any good leader wants to know that. They want to be able to support in that way. Yeah, and sometimes it doesn't need a full diagnosis. So your leader might say to you, and I hope that they do, like Shell has suggested, are you okay? Is there anything else I can do to support you? And I hope that assuming there's no reason that it strictly can't be rain-checked to a following day or next week, that they also agree to that. But it can just be as simple as I'm just not feeling my best. I'm having a bit of a down week. I'm just sort of feeling a bit out of sorts at the moment and I want to bring my best self to this conversation. So is it cool if we if we do postpone? Like we're all humans. I just think of that as being a really, uh, I guess, humanistic way of scheduling meetings and moving away from this 
kind of false expectation that you must push on with something just because it's in the calendar. Yeah, I love that. It's such good advice, Em. So we can't always reschedule these meetings and we don't also always know, as I'll attest to this, you don't also know when your emotional response is going to strike. Yeah, you can get caught (laughs) off guard from what I've heard. (laughs) Well, that's right. And again, I can tell you that. So... Our second piece of advice is to take some time and give yourself some space from the situation. So you've had that moment, you've, you've, you're in the meeting, you've burst into tears and you're just thinking, oh, what do I do now? It's, and you've said this before in other episodes, Em, sometimes when we have a difficult thing that happens at work, we ruminate on it and we overanalyze it, actually blows it way out of proportion. So it's really giving yourself some space away from it and to go, okay, let's, let's just stop for a sec that's happened, that's okay. And really start to, um, I suppose, breathe. And one of the things for me that's been really helpful uh, that I've talked to my psychologist about, about this, this kind of managing emotions at work and building resilience, she helped me to really understand that emotional responses like crying is actually a really healthy thing. And I remember thinking, but it doesn't feel healthy at the time because I'm embarrassed. I'm mortified that I've sat in a meeting with uh, like boss and you know, cried. And she really helped me to reframe that, Emma, and go, it's not actually what the the process of, of crying releases endorphins and serotonin and all these good things, oxytocin, the stuff that helps you. And so for me, that had been this really uh, powerful learning that this is a good thing. This is something that's healthy. And if I see it in that way, I'm not as afraid of it. Like I'm not as it doesn't it doesn't feel like this taboo kind of uh, icky moment. It's actually like no, it's a normal response, and I'm I'm gonna like acknowledge it for what it is. And I have also admitted in previous episodes that I uh, am a ruminator by nature, and so that's something I'm working on. And if you think about it, crying at work because something has triggered that, then what can happen if you ruminate is you begin crying about the fact that you cried. And so you kind of just like spiral even further. And part of what we're talking about here to really put an underline or a highlighter over the idea of the benefits of crying is to explain that that is okay. Let that have a moment, let that happen, but don't turn it into something bigger than is, uh, you know, servicing you that is actually a benefit to you. Yeah. And I love this idea in some really... In HR, you're often in really difficult employee meetings. So I sit in so many meetings where people have cried or had emotional responses. And one of the things I've loved seeing is when the person is ref- is able to go, can I just take a minute and come back in like five? And I kind of think that's such a good strategy. Like absolutely, we need those times where we take a break. Well, that is uh, somewhat of a definition of being in control of your emotions because you're able to think rationally and logically enough in that emotional moment to say, hey, is it okay if I take five and then walk yourself around the block or go outside, get some fresh air, get a glass of water. Number three, here we want you to show yourself compassion. We want you to acknowledge, don't apologize. So I guess we're spinning a little bit off this idea of ruminating and we're talking here about not beating yourself up. So for example, you're sitting in that meeting or in that conversation, you find yourself tearing up, you're crying, and then you start saying things like, I'm so sorry, I don't know why I'm crying. I have done this. (laughs) This is so me. (laughs) And it's natural. We we apologise for things that we don't actually need to apologise for. And often the response that the other person might say would be, 
you don't need to apologize. It's okay. And so what we need to start doing is saying that to ourselves instead, you know, saying, yes, this is important and I'm acknowledging that this is happening, but I don't need to apologize to that person. Uh, And so that mental track, we want you to come up with a mental track that works for you that you can repeat to yourself in these moments and one that convinces you that, it, that an emotional response does not define you because that in fact is the truth. And you do not need to worry about whether or not you're making somebody else uncomfortable or not. They're fine. Yeah, they're t- and that is why they say you don't need to apologise because they are fine. It's, it's great advice. I'm going to, I need to do this. Yeah. And what you could add to that is perhaps just explaining where it's coming from for you. So instead of an apology, maybe part of your script that you think about beforehand, ready for these moments, and that's not to say that this is rigid, but just to allow you to have done a little bit of mental preparation so if you find yourself in this situation, you can control your thoughts, could be to say to that person across from you, oh, okay, this is a lot. Uh, you know, If I can explain to you why I'm crying, it's because... X, Y, Z. Yeah, I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed at the moment, as you can probably tell. Mm. And humour is a really good thing to do in these moments. Like if you can draw on it, now I know it's hard, but sometimes I I found it when you make a joke out of something and go, wow, I've really... I've really done a number on this meeting today, yeah. haven't I? And Anyone kind of, got a tissue? Yeah, it kind of unlocks something for you as a little bit of a strategy to um, shift that emotional response in the moment. The fourth tip for what you can do to manage it is to reflect and plan for next time. So that process, not rumination, but of reflection. Of, and for me, like one of those things would be, if I didn't identify, if, if it felt like all of a sudden I was in this meeting and I felt emotional, I would, I would go back and look at what happened in the lead up. So what are the things that happened in the lead up that caused me to get to that point? Because I obviously w- wasn't aware of maybe how um, I was feeling. Why, why did I miss any of those signals? Because usually there are signals, it's just that we haven't been aware of them. So going back and looking at maybe what's happened over the last week, has there been something? And for me, it would often be, if I think about right now in my life, the things that would trigger it, it's like, I've had three meltdowns with the kids this morning before work. I've I've dropped someone's smoothie all over the car. I've got to work and realised that I forgot to do X, Y, and Z. And I'm just overwhelmed and it's not even 8.30. And what's interesting about what you've just described is none of that had anything to do with the actual conversation that you're in at the time you cry. Yeah. So it's funny. It's also like if you think about a cup and and I know this analogy, people probably heard this before, like you've got a cup and it's each little situation is filling it up. So each little difficult thing that happens in the morning (laughs) on your way to work, if you're a parent, you will totally relate to this and you then one thing, your boss sits down and goes, hey, I'd love to talk to you about that presentation you did last week. I've just got a couple of bits of feedback. We need to improve this, this and this. I'm like, that's just tipped my cup right over the edge and now I'm overflowing and excuse the tears, please. And to take us back to our first strategy, I would love to encourage you in that moment if your boss catches you off guard and says, hey, can we, like, what are you doing? Can we grab a coffee and talk about the presentation last week? If I can ask you anything, it's to please feel like you can say, oh, I'd love to do that. I feel like I need to just have a minute to like check my emails, have a cup of coffee and get my brain into work mode. Is it all right if we do it after lunch and give yourself a bit of space? 
That's a really good, healthy boundary. What you've described there, and, and we all find boundaries challenging. You've just described a healthy boundary that means that you don't have the, it can feel difficult to do that in the moment, but it's less painful than having the conversation that I described where I'm like all of a sudden, oh my gosh, yeah. freaking out. And if you in the moment go, yeah, sure, no worries, I'll just finish making my cuppa and I'll be with you. And you realise while that tea bag is sitting in the boiling water that actually now is not the best time based on the morning you've had and the fact that you're wound up, then don't be afraid to go to your boss and say, hey, I know I just said three minutes ago that now is a good time. Now's actually, I've just been thinking about it a little bit further. Now's actually not the best time. Is it okay if we do it later, do it tomorrow, whatever it might be? Like communicate your where you're at and create that space, create those boundaries and just set yourself up to not feel in the moment and caught off guard. Such good advice, Em. And the only final thing on this point that we would encourage you to do, if, if you feel like this is a challenge for you, then seek out that help. Seek out a mentor, coach, psychologist, whatever that looks like. It's really valuable and really important. I mean, for me, I've learned so much through that process, so cannot recommend enough. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back in a moment. Hey, thanks for listening. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we have a bunch of different podcasts on a variety of topics. So go and check out My Millennial Investor, My Millennial Property, My Millennial Money Medical, My Millennial Health, My Millennial Business, and My Millennial Money. Find these wherever you're listening to this podcast. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. All right. So now we're going to give our strategies, our four strategies for leaders. If you have employees who are having these emotional responses at work, how you can help support them. Yeah. And particularly if you're someone who maybe isn't as comfortable uh, around crying, to put it simply, it's like these are things that you can do that mean that you are being supportive to that person and giving them a safe space. So the first thing to do is to validate and acknowledge so the employee doesn't feel alone. So you want to be able to be saying, are you okay? How are you feeling? I can see that this is a difficult conversation. What do you need from me? Just validating. Yeah, I couldn't add a single thing more to that. You've summed it up perfectly and it really is that simple. Don't overcook it. The second one is to be curious and this ties in really nicely with the scene that Shell has just said. This is where you want to start asking some more questions. So once you've covered off on are they okay and they've started to share with you, here we want you to go next layer down 
and seek to understand why they're having this emotional response. Now, this is important in this moment, but it will also serve you and your relationship well in the future if you've got Uh, dare I say it, a Shelly on your team. And you know that this might not be the first and last time. Uh, So that, you know, we have got the difference in people where some people are criers and some people are more comfortable with the idea that they're a crier than others. We want you to be asking questions like, talk to me about why you're responding this way. Talk to me about What's going on for you? What thoughts are you having at the moment? There's this really good um, Michael Bungay-Stania in his book, The Coaching Habit. He has these seven questions. I'd encourage you to Google it. We'll put it in the show notes. He's got seven questions for leaders. One of them, we'll only refer to one in this, is what's the real challenge for you here? And it's such a beautiful question because it's trying to pinpoint and and pause. So ask it and pause and and give silence, give space for that person because they probably need a moment to you know, gather their thoughts and, and it's going, take your time. Yeah. It, to be able to say to someone when they can't quite find their words or the answer, to be able to say, it's okay, we've got time. And then just sit there. Silence is a really powerful tool at a leader. And I love that advice, Emma, about being curious. The next one is offer support and be ready to reply when they say, I don't know. So, How many times when you're in those moments where emotions are running hot and you're like, oh, what's happening? You don't really know what you need from your leader. You just need this situation right now to go away. (laughs) Yeah, you're just like, can we just rewind? (laughs) Rewind and I'm going to take the day off today. Because the embarrassment, (laughs) if if you are me, if you're anything like me, at this point you start to realise what is going on and you start to realise I'm not just responding to that original trigger. I'm also now trying to dig myself out of this feeling of crap, you're you're crying in front of somebody at work. And it's funny because people have, we all have so many different responses to this. So as I mentioned before, in those questions you can ask as a leader, sometimes the questions work really beautifully to kind of draw out what's there, but actually sometimes they can exacerbate the situation because it can dig into a maybe a something really heavy that the person's not ready to chat about. And so it's being, using your I guess, sense of discernment to figure out what's going to be the best approach in this scenario. And also finding ways to offer practical support. It doesn't have to be these deep questions necessarily if they're not ready for that. It could be simply, I'm going to go get your water. Let me just do that and I'll be back in a sec. And giving them that moment of privacy can be like the breather they need to be like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I had once had advice shared with me from somebody in HR and they explained that when they're going into a conversation and they perhaps, particularly when they know that it might be a sensitive one, they won't have tissues in the room already. And you see it often that there are tissues in meeting rooms, but they actually won't have tissues in the meeting room. And the reason they do that is because if it appears to become emotional, it allows that leader to say, I'm just going to go and get some tissues. I'll be back in a moment. You can use the water example as well, although a lot of us carry around our water bottles. So that might not be an option. But what that does, it's actually not necessarily about the tissues and whether or not the person needs and uses tissues. It's purely about giving them a few minutes to collect their own thoughts. So giving them the space and privacy of that room for, for few, a few minutes. I love that so much. I'd never heard that um, as, a, as a strategy. It's so good because I think about HR rooms, pretty much every HR room I've been in has tissues because you're like, what's going to happen? Yeah, yeah. Um, and 
that is something I'm going to take away and use because it is that thing of it gives giving space is such a, a, a beautiful way to allow that person the time they need to kind of, I guess, gather their thoughts and, and feel like, oh, I don't have to do this when someone's just staring there watching me. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so uh, final little thought here on number three is what, the conversation is not necessarily going to be one part. You might find that you need to do it in two parts. So if that person is not ready, then it's okay for you to say, all right, do you want to just go, you know, take lunch, we'll come back this afternoon, tomorrow, you know, whatever you feel works, or you might even send them home, depending on the severity of it. And then actually don't be afraid to come back and revisit the conversation and revisit some of these questions. Uh, You may also like, instead of offering advice at this point, to ask if they'd be interested in your perspective and what experiences you've had. And so that could look like a question such as, would you like me to share my experience and what has helped me in a similar situation in the past? Yeah, I love it, Em. It's really good. The last one for tips for leaders, number four, is to show appreciation for their vulnerability and openness. And often that person, we talked about validating where they're at and also saying, I'm so glad you felt safe enough to be vulnerable here. I'm so glad that we're having this conversation. This is really important to me to hear where you're at. And what you're doing is you're giving that permission for psychological safety and that's such a key foundation of a quality team culture. Couldn't agree more. Hey, I I know we committed to four, but there was one other little bonus tip, Shell, that you've shared with me as we were prepping for this. And it's it's four leaders and I think it's a really good one. Can we just do like a super quick download on on what your bonus tip is for our leaders? Oh, yes. Good one. I forgot about this actually. (laughs) So the bonus tip is if you're going into a conversation and where you know that that person may be caught off guard or it may be a really difficult one. So I think it comes to mind like things like if you're having the really tough thing of making a role redundant or if you're giving someone some critical performance feedback and you're thinking, I think this is going to potentially be challenging and maybe upset them, there's a few things you can do beforehand. And one of the things is I would encourage you to rehearse the feedback if that's what it is, or rehearse part of those conversations to make sure that you're allowing opportunities for pauses, for breathing, that you're not just kind of steamrolling your way through the content to make it easier on you. And that can be, I guess, just a way of making sure that you're setting up that conversation to be really well received, but also for you personally, like I know for me, having done lots of challenging meetings and redundancies over the years, I acknowledge at the at the beginning of the meeting now I don't know people have different views on this but for me I often acknowledge at the beginning of the meeting I say hey I I know this is going to be a difficult conversation and I just want to make sure that at any moment that you feel like we can take a break or we can have those times where if you want to ask any questions please jump in yeah and I think this came about Shell when you and I were talking on the fact that as a leader you will find yourself in a position where uh, expected or unexpected, you may have somebody in front of you who does who does become emotional and they do cry at work. But there are also those times where we know that as a leader, we're going into a conversation that's emotionally taxing on us and we don't necessarily feel like it's appropriate for us to break down during that meeting. But then after the meeting, 
there's this release, there's this emotional release where you have absolutely had compassion for what that person's gone through, for what you've needed to deliver as far as message, uh, for what you've been building up to. And then afterwards, it's like floodgates open and you need to let that out. Yeah. But you've got to be able to hold it together during the conversation. That's right. In respect of that person. Absolutely. And I think it is a really big challenge to do that. But yeah, preparing for it and being, again, it's those same things we talked about at the top. It's okay to have that emotion, to show it and find a person after that tough conversation that you can talk to and debrief about in a safe way. Beautiful. Well, that's it from us. As always, thanks so much for hanging out. We so appreciate our My Millennial Career community. If you want to chat more with us, you'll find Em and I on LinkedIn. And if you enjoy the show, please give us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen. Thanks heaps. See you soon. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. Hey, thanks for listening. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we have a bunch of different podcasts on a variety of topics. So go and check out My Millennial Investor, My Millennial Property, My Millennial Money Medical, My Millennial Health, My Millennial Business and My Millennial Money. Find these wherever you're listening to this podcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.